From Beacon Point Advisors, I'm Michael Dow. This is Markets in Motion, our regular update on the economy and investment. Today on the podcast, we'll start with an update on the pandemic, the status of the next stimulus bill, and a new segment where I answer questions submitted by our clients. This is Markets in Motion. But first, in a historic choice, Joe Biden has selected California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate. She's uh, the first black woman and the first Asian American on a major party presidential ticket. So now with the Biden-Harris ticket all set, we head into the home stretch of the campaign with just 83 days to go until November 3rd. The Democratic convention, such as it is, will be August 17th, and the Republican convention, also virtual, will be August 24th. There's three debates. The presidential candidates will get together starting September 29th and have two more debates in October. There's one VP debate. It'll happen on um, October 7th. It's almost impossible to know who's going to win the election at this point. So even though the uh, predicted markets suggest that the uh, Biden campaign has a bit of an edge, 60 to 40 percent, there's a long way to go until November 3rd. More on politics when we do the question and answer section. Um, pandemic update next. Uh, Russia says it's approved the world's first coronavirus vaccine. Well, it's come very quickly. So there are concerns about its uh, efficacy and, frankly, its safety. The United States remains the, um, uh, the by far the most affected country with 5 million COVID-19 cases and now 160,000 deaths. There is some good news. Even though case numbers are increasing, the number of hospitalizations in the U.S. has plateaued and is turning down. And that's the number we care about because what you want to know is whether or not there are beds for folks to go to. Otherwise, you've got to shut down the economy. So from an economic and a market perspective, we just need to know that we're not stressing the local health care infrastructure by having too many folks heading to the hospital. So hospitalizations are down. Uh, numbers of uh, patients in ICU beds are down. And the number of uh, U.S. patients on ventilators is also down. So, so good news on that score. Not so good news coming from Washington, D.C. There's been another delay in getting the HEALS Act, which is the latest phase four stimulus um, passed in the Senate. The House passed a bill back in May. Uh, it was worth $3.5 trillion. So the Senate is debating a much smaller bill, something on the order of between one and two and probably close to $1.5 trillion will be the ultimate number if we can get a deal done. The market today, and today is Tuesday, August 11th, sold off very sharply at the end of the day because there there is some um, debate on whether or not we're going to get a deal done in a timely fashion, and people are still hurting. There's there's millions and millions of Americans that are out of work and, and many millions more who are facing potential eviction. So some of the features of the, of the HEALS Act, which, which need to be passed by the Senate, and which have been uh, at least partially addressed through the on the weekend when the president uh, came through with four uh, executive orders, one executive order and three memorandums, uh, trying to trying to get some unilateral action on this, which may or may not be frankly legal. Um, it, it's at least an attempt to, to move the ball down the court. And my view is that. If nothing else, it forces the Democrats to the table to the extent that they can't be blamed for uh, for not getting something done for the American people now that it's at least perceived that the White House is, is doing something proactive. Some of this has to be considered a bit of political theater in an election year. Uh, Trump's executive actions do extend unemployment insurance benefits, defer payroll taxes, and free student loan payments. Uh, but the uh, And it does, in some respects, regain the narrative for the White House and put perhaps some pressure on Senate Democrats to, to, to come to, to a compromise. Uh, for their part, 
the Senate Democrats are holding out for a more comprehensive bill, uh, and they're and they're looking to uh, get that done as soon as possible. Uh, but uh, but it doesn't seem like it's coming in a timely fashion, or at least not timely enough for the stock market. And now we'll move into the new segment of the podcast. Uh, we're calling it uh, "You Have Questions, We Have Answers." The first question relates to the stock market and is, could we test the market lows again this year? Absolutely, uh, we could. Uh, it's not our base case scenario. The market bottomed on March 23rd at uh, 2200 and change on the S&P, and it got there in record fashion. It was the fastest uh, bear market in history in terms of trading days from the peak on February 19th until the, the trough on March 23rd. And then it was the fastest bull market in history as we moved off of the lows on March 23rd. So a lot of things have happened at, at very high rates, lots of volatility. And, and the reason that we had a recovery is in, in almost um, exclusively due to the actions of the Federal Reserve. Specifically, the Federal Reserve Board acted swiftly and decisively and with massive scope to, to fix the bond market. And by fixing the bond market, the Federal Reserve uh, remove the fat tail of substantial bankruptcies. And if in a bankruptcy, uh, equity holders are wiped out. So by fixing the bond market, the, the Federal Reserve fixed the stock market. I don't anticipate that the Federal Reserve will take its foot off the gas pedal anytime soon, but I also don't expect that um, given where the stock market's trading versus actual uh, corporate earnings expected for the next four quarters, that we're at uh, an incredibly uh, solid foundation for, for further uh, increases in, in stock prices. I, I don't expect stock prices to go down. I don't expect them necessarily to, to go up meaningfully, but I do expect them to bounce around and be choppy as investors continue to absorb both the, um, the, the economic data uh, that suggests that we've had the most historic loss of output and uh, employment in the post-World War II history, married to the, and, and coupled with, and in conjunction with, the most substantial response of the federal government, both in terms of fiscal stimulus and monetary policy. And netting those two things together, it's it's just, uh, it's hard to know. It's hard to know uh, whether they've done enough or if they need to get this HEALS Act done quickly. I think they do to, to make sure that the income replacement that they began with the CARES Act is maintained and that people aren't um, uh, thrown out of their houses. So uh, what it boils down to ultimately is stocks trade on, on corporate earnings and economic growth. And we don't, just don't know what the corporate earnings picture looks like at this point. In terms of what the outlook is for the rest of the year, we've got a couple of catalysts that will either uh, produce a positive uh, catalyst or negative catalyst for the market. Again, the, the, the passage of the, fear, uh, of the HEALS Act is the number one thing that needs to get done. We have an election coming up, which um, we could either find uh, ourselves with a, a continuation of the current policy or a, perhaps a change, particularly in fiscal policy, which might mean increases in corporate taxes, personal taxes. That would be a headwind to the economy and a headwind to, to, the, to the stock market. It's not a given, uh, but if, if there is a change and if there is an increase in taxes, then it's not clear to me that the stock market would uh, uh, wouldn't uh, react, and probably not positively. Having said that, as it stands right now, there is a heck of a lot of a potential for a Democratic victory, not only at the White House, but maybe a sweep of the House and the Senate, priced into the equity markets. It's, that's the most likely outcome. And if that's the most likely outcome today, and we don't get a huge reversal of that, then you can assume that that, that information is at least largely priced in. Nothing is a given, and there's a long way to go, as I mentioned, to November 3rd. But, uh, but as it stands, the, the thing we would worry about isn't uh, necessarily 
uh, one party winning it all or, or some of the White House, the, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate, but whether or not that's fully priced in come November 3rd. Is now a good time to be considering gold? The answer is it would have been great uh, two months ago, uh, the first part of May. Gold's been on a tear because real yields, that is nominal yields minus inflation, are now deeply negative. And as a result, the fact that you don't earn any yield on gold isn't a headwind at all. In fact, it's kind of a plus. If you're losing purchasing power by, by owning nominal bonds, then gold looks pretty attractive. It's also part of the uh, search for a new reserve currency, which I think is a futile search at this point. Precious metals aren't likely to be the answer, uh, at least in our investment lifetimes. So the answer is no, we prefer uh, tips Look at precious metals. Precious metals do have a place potentially in the portfolio as not just an inflation, but as a, a, a an Armageddon hedge. Since we don't think we're headed towards Armageddon or the loss of the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency anytime in, in the near future, we're still thinking that TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, do much of what uh, gold is supposed to do in a, in a, in a more liquid uh, and more transparent way and less volatile way, frankly. There was a question about the outcome of the election and what do we think it is and what we think the impact on markets are. I think I addressed that. It's way too early to tell. Uh, we'll know more after um, after the uh, the conventions, uh, which is the first big kind of marketing effort and um, signals the home stretch of the the election and the campaign season. And frankly, after the um, after the presidential debates, which are coming up starting at the end of September, so it's really too soon to tell who's going to win. What the market impact will be is also too soon to tell. Uh, but as I said, if if the if the outcome of the election isn't a complete and total surprise, then it's not clear to me that it would be a big deal come November fourth, and the market will have some kind of reaction. We have to remember, the stock market is continuously discounting all of the information that's available second by second, and that includes the information related to the polls and, uh, and polling and who's going to win the Electoral College and who's going to win the election on November 3rd. Uh, finally, uh, given the pandemic's current trajectory, will it make sense to go to cash at any point? It almost never makes sense to go to cash at any point. Um, in hindsight, it does, but there's it's in, in my career, it's been very difficult to predict the um, uh, when the stock market uh, goes off a cliff. There are catalysts that we can look at and themes of investing that we can focus on. And, and these themes and catalysts will help us to get us to our, our longer term objective. What are we focused on now? The theme is that there's massive government support for both the economy and, and for markets as a result in terms of stimulate, stimulative fiscal policy and uh, massive and unlimited, apparently, monetary policy. And this has all been to the good. It has supported uh, both the economy and it has uh, been the proximate cause of the, of the stock market's uh, rebound. This isn't going to change. The Fed has unlimited uh, resources currently because we're the reserve currency of the world. However, there are limits, and when we reach them, we'll know it because Treasury yields will go up and foreign investors will stop buying U.S. dollar-denominated securities. And in the meantime, we're probably going to suffer through a pretty extended period of negative real yield and real interest rates, that is, nominal yields minus inflation being deeply negative, like they are now. We call this uh, financial repression, and there's a white paper posted on the website that goes through this in laborious detail. Um, we're going to talk about it more and more as the uh, as the quarter rolls on. There's there are themes, uh, there are catalysts, and we'll be constantly vigilant about them. We we meet quarterly, the macroeconomic committee and the asset allocation committee, to discuss our outlook for the GDP, inflation, Fed funds, unemployment rate, 
and to determine based on asset classes, U.S. equities, international equities, U.S. fixed income and international fixed income, what's rich, what's cheap, and what's fair. And it's this process that allows us to be proactive in our client portfolios. And that's it for Beacon Points, Markets in Motion. We'll be back soon with another of our regular updates on markets and investing. I'm Michael Dow, Beacon Point Chief Investment Officer. Thanks for listening.